Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. We get to talk about the Cubs coming off a wonderful road trip, and you get to listen. Now, I shouldn't frame it like that, because then it's like, why are you listening to this? You know, I think often about, um, you know, like uh, podcasts that I listen to that either recap shows that I'm into or preview things that I'm looking forward to, and you sort of wonder what it is that that a person looks to in a podcast, you know? And so I think often about what is our role in people's entertainment and information ecosphere when it comes to the Cubs, when they are in a stretch where they have been the worst team in baseball over the last month, non-Oakland A's division, because they they do not count right now. They're not a baseball team. They are a sideshow. So... You know, we will do our part, I think, to give you thoughtful takes on on the state of the Cubs, uh, both what has happened, what is to come. I don't think we are necessarily the rah-rah types, so you might not be getting that from the podcast. I I am when things are going well. Like, I I love to be in happy rah-rah mode, but I'm just not, you know, that's not where we are. So I hope what you're looking to in a podcast like ours at a time like this is just some thoughtful analysis and fruitful narrative about what has come and what is to come. And we'll try to keep an even keel about it because it'd be pretty easy to be dark at the moment. Um, So there's my setup to a road trip that saw the Cubs win just twice out of the nine games that they played. I want to, well, let me throw it to you guys first. Um, Any perspective shifting, that has taken place over the course of that road trip. You know, it's on the one hand, it's only nine games. On the other hand, it's nine games, nine games on the road against good teams. And I just wonder if you left it feeling any differently than you did before, or, or if like even those little kernels of an idea are starting to set in about things that, you know, bigger picture things that we've thought about this team. Yeah. For me, I think when you, if you just want to look at the road trip, just separately, right? Three really good teams. Uh, You want it to be like a litmus test for the Cubs. How did they do against these teams? They didn't do well, right? Were they competitive? Yeah. Were they competitive? Levels on that one. (laughs) Were they competitive in some, uh, like, majority of those outside of getting blown out? You know, they, they got blown out three times. 
they, they were close in the rest. Uh, probably should have won a few that they dropped. Ultimately, two and seven. Uh, I think if you just look at that, you can say, wow, that's a bad stretch. I I keep coming back to that stretch, the previous road trip. And, and that's like, I, I think it's becoming more and more crystallized that there's the missed opportunity. This is where the season went potentially has gone sideways uh, because there's a there's a scenario where you do much better on that previous road trip and this awful road trip just gets you back to 500 right instead of six games under and I think that's the crush crusher here you you lost games you should have won in the previous month before this road trip and now these tough stretches that are acceptable at moments uh, become unacceptable and put you in an even deeper hole because you couldn't get the job done when you should have. Uh, why that happened, you know, people can rewrite history and say Christopher Morrell absolutely should have been up with the team to start the season. Uh, you know, they never should have had Eric Hosmer on this roster. Uh, the bullpen should, people, uh, you know, Jed should have spent more money on the bullpen. All these things you can you can say, I I. My response to that, a lot of those things, is with the bullpen, there were reasons why. it's the It should be the finishing touches, not where he spends all the money. There were so many things that needed to be addressed that, that you can't really say, like, well, he should have spent more on the bullpen. They have a budget. He did what he could. Maybe they maybe targeted the wrong guys. You could argue that, but I'm not sure how much more money could have been spent there. Christopher Morrell, we don't know if he would have been a superstar out of the gate. We just don't know that. So you can't rewrite history. Everyone thought Matt Mervis should have been there from the start. He's struggling mightily. He looks overmatched at the moment. I'm not saying he can't handle the big leagues. I'm just saying it's taking a little while for him to adjust right now. He hasn't been the difference maker everyone expected him to be. It's just, I mean, there's there's so many excuses you could make for this. Uh, uh, I mean, so many fingers you could point at. Uh, at different people in the organization, I just think there's, you know, the, the brain, the blame can be spread right now. And, and you have to, I don't think you can really rewrite history as much as just say, you know, how do they fix this and, and what, what, what can be corrected going forward? Because as bad as it feels, they're still in the thick of this. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. This division is ridiculous. They're still in this. Uh, they, they just, I, I still think there's enough there. There, there are flaws and they're obvious, but you, you gotta, you gotta get going. No more, no more talk about how good the numbers are. It, you gotta win games. Sadab, I liked the headline to your story of the idea that this season could be spir- spiraling out of control right now. And Brett, you alluded to that on Bleacher Nation this morning. Of there's a much darker backdrop against which all of this is taking place, and not saying it's going to happen but i think the the way this has broken down calls everything into question and that on the table right now is like what are the cubs doing and we're going to get into david ross uh as a manager that has very quickly flared up as at least a public discourse issue not necessarily like an actual internal hot seat deal Uh, You look at this baseball operations department and the Cubs love talking about their pitching infrastructure. And it's like, okay, Keegan Thompson was, you know, good in a limited role for like two half seasons. You know what I mean? Like, where are the replacements? I mean, these options that they're talking about are more like cast off 
rule five type guys. You know, where's your your first round pick from 2019, right? I mean, Ryan Jensen, where's um, kind of that next wave that they're talking about? And so I think it'll be really interesting to see how they problem solve here. Uh, I do think certain things uh, will even out to an extent, uh, but it's kind of getting late uh, pretty early here. They need to start banking some wins. You know, it's funny you mentioned uh, the reliever stuff and Ryan Jensen, and this is real deep in the weeds stuff. <clears throat> for Earl like, Caraway, pro- you know, where are yeah, well, you know, like, those guys? I, I just want to mention, we, we're not going to get into this. So, so folks for whom this is like a, a, a wonderful tease, uh, you can look into it on your own. But it is interesting that historically, and I mean going back, this is way before David Ross, historically the Cubs have been very good at identifying relievers, getting them into the right roles, getting them set right um, by, you know, certainly by the end of May. Like we have seen year after year after year when you would look at, especially the Cubs in the second half, they'd have one of the best bullpens in baseball every year. Didn't matter who was in it. Didn't matter how they had constructed it. It just would happen every year. And maybe that'll happen again. You know, like I'm not, I'm not saying it won't. It feels like it's taking a little longer this year. It feels like maybe there was a little No, I shouldn't say feels. There was less investment in sort of certainty in the bullpen this year. They were doing a little bit more of it in-house, which was, it seemed right at the time. It certainly seemed like the right approach with the depth they had, with the names, with the arms, with the young developing guys. Anyway, that is all prelude to say, I find it very interesting that this year, um, and those of us who are prospect nerds who follow this closely will see that this is atypical. There are up to five now, starting pitching prospects, decent ones, ones who've not been struggling or anything, who have already been converted to relief um, down on the farm. And kind of, it feels like an accelerated timetable on some of them too. And I do wonder if the Cubs were, this this process started a couple weeks ago. Jensen was among them, moved to the bullpen. Um, again, that's very early in a year when you brought him out of spring training to be a starting pitcher, and then you're converting him to relief at the start of May. That's very early. And they've done that with several of these guys. Daniel Palencia, Luke Little, um, Chris Clark, Riley Thompson. This this has all happened in the last, you know, three weeks. And I wonder if they were looking down the road and they were like, you know, we have a lot of interesting relief prospects, but the issues we are having in the big league bullpen are so hard to put our finger on. We're gonna need as many possible options as, as possible. Like we can't we can't just keep waiting on developing you try to hold out starters as long as possible in the minors, but um, I just wonder if they were anticipating, like, no, we're going to need potentially some of these guys to come up, and maybe they're starters in the future, but we might need them this year. And and I know the guy who's going to come up in a month or so is, is Ben Brown, is the guy that people are going to be talking about as, like, temporary relief. Um, both, I mean that both literally and the description of a reliever. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know what to do with that now. So that's why I don't want to dig into it too much because it's we got to see how these guys are going to do. We got to see what the Cubs are going to do at the big league level in the bullpen. And I know, Sahad, if you wrote about that um, this morning about how maybe some of the guys who haven't been trusted are going to start to get some of those higher leverage looks, maybe. Yeah, I mean, David Ross doesn't really have any other option, does he? I mean, he he's trying to trust guys who haven't come through but have some more veteran experience right he put Michael Fulmer in a big spot on Monday right like a week ago 
and and that <clears throat> ended up with you know Alex Bregman uh, doing what's made him a career and putting a ball in the Crawford boxes, <clears throat> and I mean it, it's a, you want to trust Michael Fulmer because the peripherals say you should, but the results are continually poor. At a certain point, you have to shift gears here, and then you know he starts to believe in Michael Light or Mark Leiter and and uh, Adbert Alzali, and they've both had struggles uh in their most recent high leverage moments uh it's it's tough to know how ross can handle this other than just saying like okay let's see what jeremiah Estrada can do julian merriweather you had that five run blow up to start the season and after that you've been pretty good uh time to you know time to move from mop up or low leverage medium leverage to high leverage and you know, Nick Birdie, you throw 100 miles per hour, maybe let's see if you can command it and, and get that uh, breaking ball right and, and start, you know, working a seventh inning in a close game or something like that. You have to start seeing what you have. Listen, I don't – I'm not sure if any of those guys will work. I know people are all about Jeremiah Estrada, but right now when I watch him, I – I'm not seeing a guy that's, you know, results-wise, no runs allowed. Every single ball in play is a hard-line drive. His, He's uh, walking. His average know, exit with, velocity is something like 96 miles per hour. Right, right. And <laughs> – I think he's gotten like an over 50% hard hit rate, 0% soft contact rate, uh, like nothing. But like, he but he is you know. striking out like 42%. I mean, he's striking he's, out 40, yeah. which is nuts. And he's walking like 18%, right? And like the walks with the hard hit rate is just terrifying. You could say, well, he's coming in, at, at, you know, in, in roles where it's just like, just pound the zone, dude. And, and if they hit it hard, who cares? Hopefully they hit it at someone. You could make that argument. I've talked to some pitchers that say, you know, sometimes it's hard to know what a guy is when they're working a low leverage moment because they're just trying to like they're just trying to, you know, get the get through innings, like eat up innings. And they're not like thinking, you know, I have to miss bats. I have to get soft contact. But, you know, that works both ways. At a certain point, you just have to you, you can't give up all that. You can, you know, they can't square you up that often. I don't know what Estrada is. I don't know if, I mean, Birdie. It's. I think it's mostly about health, right? Uh, and then Merriweather. You know, I mean, he's he's older. He's had. That's a lot of health issues in the past too. We'll see. We'll see if any of these guys work. It's. You just have to try something different right now. There's. There's no other choice. I, I think. It, it's. I think it's interesting that everyone. You know, everyone on the outside is like, well, just go use this guy. And then when that guy's used, it's not, it's not happening. It's not working. Well, Keegan Thompson's obvious choice to work high leverage moments. He goes and works in ninth and gets rocked. Adbert Alzelay's clearly earned this moment. He clearly deserves to, to come in there in the biggest moments. He goes in there, gives up a two run homer to a lefty after not like he'd been great against lefties all year and then struggles in the big moment. So it, it, at a certain point, the relievers and the players have to just get the job done, right? It's either, like, you can blame Ross. I, this is not me saying David Ross has no culpability in these in this, uh, you know, rough stretch that they're in. It's that it's – my point is I don't see these obvious boneheaded moves that he's making. Do I love the lineups that he's constructing every single day? It's tough to see Nick Madrigal in there at times when, when he's struggling so much. Uh, there, there are – guys that hit in that lineup that I'm like, yeah, this is just not, he's just not producing right now. 
but you also have to know that you know Patrick Wisdom has to sit sometimes. He's he's in the middle of a funk. You know you have to get other guys in there. Uh, Morell, as great as he is, I mean he's really he's. It, I mean he's a fascinating player. People need to stop calling for him to play third base. He's not a good third baseman right now. If you want him to play third base, they need to send him to the minors. He's going to cost them a lot of games at third base. He doesn't. He, he did not look good there last year. His arm, his arm stroke is not like he he can't change the arm stroke consistently from out outfield to infield. It, it's not going to work. I know he's got a strong arm. I've seen it. That's not all it takes to play third base. People need to stop insisting that he's this amazing defender, that he has to play third base. They haven't watched him play there enough, and the Cubs have, and they don't trust him right now defensively. They're playing him because they have to play him because he's an impact offensive player. Do I think he should be in the big leagues? Absolutely. What he's doing is remarkable on offense, but please remember that there's another side to the game, and he's not playing uh, well enough on defense. The routes he's taking in the outfield – are, are really rough to watch. He's he's already made one critical mistake. I'm not saying it, this is all. My point is he's he has a lot more development to make on the defensive side. So that's why he was there for a month. They're trying to figure out what he can be defensively. Do they like him offensively? Sure. Is he going to be this guy that's kind of all or nothing? That's what it kind of seems like. But when it's <laughs> when it's that all side of things, it's kind of ridiculous, right? What is it? Eight home runs in eleven games. You'll take that, right? There's just a lot of things here that I think fans just want to say, like, well, this guy's amazing. Why doesn't he do it? And then, like, why isn't he being used in this role? A lot of times when they are finally pushed into those roles, they're not coming through. I, I mean, if that's a, if you want to put that on Jed, maybe maybe that's a Jed in the front office thing, and, and that's where the blame deserves to be. But I don't think it's as simple as this is this person's fault. This is Ross's fault. There's just... There's some things that just aren't, you know, coming together in certain areas with this team. I think that's it, Sadam. I think that's why we're nearing the point of the season spiraling out of control and everything being called into question. Like, look, no one on this podcast or externally was like picking the Cubs to win the World Series. And maybe if they were only three games under 500, the... Uh, entire tone of this conversation would be different, but they're not. And there are so many kind of threads running through why they are where they are. And I mean, you can go back to, you know, some of these changes we're talking about in player development and scouting, like those happened near the end of 2019. Like there should be more here now or, or, you know, obviously Jed had to trade Darvish to dump salary, but like there's only one player in a ball who's on their radar right now. Um, you know, Jameson Tyon was your number one pitching target. You know, he was their number one target, not attached to a qualifying offer. They're 0-7 in his starts and he hasn't gotten an out in the sixth inning yet. And he pushed to return because Caleb Killian, per David Ross, was, quote, not ready and this is one of the guys that you um, targeted in the Chris Bryant deal. And the other guy from that deal, well, he's still injured off of two, like, you know, really significant injuries. And you, we're talking about Nick Madrigal. I mean, the Craig Kimbrell trade has been a zero thus far. And maybe Cody Hoyer comes back soon and is part of that 
bullpen solution. I mean, that wouldn't be uh, totally surprising. But there's just like a lot here, and especially in the you know collaborative environment of baseball, that there are lots of places that you can point fingers. And that's a phrase that Sahadev has mentioned several times. I'm assuming there are people in the clubhouse who are kind of on guard for that because this could get very ugly very fast. It doesn't mean it has to, but all those pressure points are here right now at very early stage of the season. Yeah, it tends to be the case that when a team's results are <clears throat> dramatically un- or are underperforming the expectations relative to what you are seeing when you analyze the performance there tends to be a lot of things happening at once you know it it tends to be that there is some bad baseball luck involved it tends to be that there may be some injury issues you know this road trip was missing Cody Bellinger for half and Nico Horner for half I mean that didn't help Um, it tends to be that uh, you know the manager might be making some mistakes it tends to be that, uh, you know, guys you were counting on uh, haven't contributed in the way you're expecting and so on and so forth. And I think that's in part why I struggle to properly uh, contextualize the relationship between the underlying Cubs performance that we're seeing. When you, when you look individually at players, I mean, the Cubs are having some tremendous seasons from a lot of guys that we regarded correctly, I think, as critical to their success this year. You know, if they were going to be competitive, this is going to have to happen. And this is going to have to happen. All those the damn things are happening. So many of those things. Saya is happening. Cody Ballinger is happening. Nico, Dansby, Justin Steele, Marcus Stroman, Drew Smiley. These things are happening. The Cubs are having a large volume of great performances. I looked this morning just because I was morbidly curious uh, after that loss i'm like okay i just i wonder if we're still seeing this huge disconnect between individual player performances and results and you know the cubs have the fifth most war on the position player side in baseball fifth most on the pitching side 11th most and they are six games under 500 and have the seventh worst record in baseball now i put that out there and some people use that as an opportunity to attack wars as a statistic and it's like that's fine but you're totally missing my point my point is any of these underlying metrics that you look at to evaluate are not going to match the cubs results and i think when you have that happening it's just it's because six or seven different sort of weird things some of them cosmic and you cannot control and some of them mistake oriented and you can control and i think we saw a lot of that that latter category both in the stretch that sahadev mentioned earlier where the cubs were losing a lot of coin flip games i think you go back and you look at those individually as games and you're like you know what could have done this differently could have done this differently uh and then also i think we're seeing it sort of here in this recent losing stretch where you know the cubs have gotten blown out a few times because bad outings from good players are going to happen sometimes and you have to have won the winnable games so that when those blowups happen, they don't hurt you that much. And right now they are hurting badly because the Cubs couldn't bank some of those winnables. And then you have, we haven't even mentioned the, I'm sure you guys talked about it. Uh, I was not here on, on Thursday's pod, but like that loss on Wednesday against the Astros where the Cubs blew a huge lead. It, the, the impact is so magnified. The feeling of it is so magnified uh, when what's been happening has been happening because you are, if you look back 
you are going to lose games like that. Go through the seasons of even good teams. Like, you're going to lose games like that. It's going to happen, and you have to be able to step back as the players do and say, okay, it's a one-off, it happens. Well, we can't say it's a one-off. And so I really struggle, to, to circle back to where I started this little ditty, is that I struggle to reconcile that underlying performance where the Cubs are seemingly achieving all the things that we wanted or, 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 or said would be necessary to compete, and yet they aren't competing right now. And that be- makes it very easy for folks to point the fingers uh, at non-player aspects, you know, and that, that lands on the coaching staff. And I, I know people want me to come along for that ride, and I'm just not there yet for a lot of the reasons that Sahadif said earlier when we started talking about David Ross. It's not that I agree with everything he does. It's that it's really hard for me to point to catastrophic decisions that were solely in his hands, that were informed by information that we have access to, that we know, okay, you know what, you you screwed this up. And I, I've called it out, you know, the, the wisdom bunt, you know, that, that's going to stand out to me for a long time. It's like a, a moment where I do feel like we knew what was possible. I think the wrong decision was made, et cetera, et cetera. Other than that, it's it, it's hard because the bullpen stuff is what's causing most of the problems right now, and I don't think that's been on Ross. I think that's been on some unfortunate unfortunate luck in the way the construction has worked out, and then some guys just not performing when you need them to perform. And I, I don't know what to do with all of this stuff, and so that's why we keep coming back to this damn place where what we see on the field in the win-loss column does not match what we see when we analyze the individual players. And I'm sorry that I don't have a better a better take on that for folks, but it's partly because it's weird. It's extreme. It's, it's an extreme version of how this can happen. It's not just because it's the Cubs. Go back through many years. They are, this is a really extreme separation in terms of results versus underlying metrics. It's really extreme. And that tends not to be a situation where there's like one thing. Oh, all you have to do is change this and that fixes it. Like people hate to hear it, but a lot of times it's just cause it's fluky shit and that's baseball. Yeah. People, people love to um, rewrite history or, or change like, well, Ross should have obviously stuck with Drew Smiley who gave up hard contact to uh, multiple lefties in the sixth inning, uh, you know, struggled through that sixth inning and was bailed out by Ian Happ throwing a runner out at home, right? Uh, that that Wednesday game it was a gut punch game, and, and because the bullpen didn't hold it, that means in their minds Drew Smiley should have gone another inning. But they conveniently forgot that that sixth inning where he ended with two lefties who both hit the ball over 100 miles per hour, it, they, they just forgot about that. And then there's a pocket of righties coming up. So it was absolutely the right call. To, to pull Drew Smiley at that moment, but it doesn't matter because what happened dictates what people decide should have been the the call, right? So so there are these types of situations that happen that, that it's very easy to rewrite history and say, well, he should have done this. He should have gone to this guy. But, I you know, I, I don't think anybody watching that game at the moment would have said, Drew Smiley needs to go another inning. I remember thinking wow, that's a big moment right there to get that guy at home. They've been leaving a lot of guys on base. You don't want to let them get back in this game. Uh, and and I think I tweeted something like that. And I was like, that, that's probably the moment that I'm going to remember. Uh, you know, hopefully those left on base guys don't don't come back to bite them. Uh, 
that's on the bullpen more than the offense, but that's, that's, you know, it's just all these little things add up when you can't tack on runs. That's why Friday felt good for like Ross was in as good of a mood as he's been uh, in a while after that game. And then Saturday morning, because that has to feel good. You get four early then you put up another four spot. You take advantage of their mistakes. You, you jump on them. You don't let them back in the game. Don't even give them a chance to think about it. That's how, that's what you need. You need that like once a week if you're a good team. You need to just kick the other team's butt. Everybody relaxes. The bullpen isn't going out there and stressing every single pitch because it, it, it's a blowout and and you're you're relaxed and now you finally have these moments where it's not high leverage. I mean, we've talked about this before. Every moment seems to be high leverage. I don't know like these are all things that I think like sometimes the fan that just wants to get really angry doesn't understand like how much that matters. How much these things like, you know, impact other aspects of the team and and the bullpen and like a lot of it is like Keegan Thompson can't bounce back to to you know uh, go uh, you know on a day's rest or whatever. That impacts the rest of the bullpen, right? Keegan Thompson was shifting different roles. So, did the Cubs make a mistake in doing that? I I think you could argue that they did, right? They should have just kept him in the role that he thrived in last year. Uh, you know, screw it that he's down for three days, right? You had a guy that could go two plus innings every fourth day but they also have to find out what he can be it's a really like I I don't like I don't blame them I think you like I think they can look back and say well that was a mistake that's too bad but also you have to find out what you have and and Brett you're, you're talking about all these numbers and all these guys having great seasons all that tells me in the end right now is that it's a missed opportunity you had Cody Bellinger have a great month, the greatest month he's had since 2019, right? And you had a great April, and you took advantage of that, I guess, to an extent. Uh, all these guys are playing so well, so many guys that are just looking great, and one or two big moments in a game are coming and, and, and crushing them. And it's just it's just a missed opportunity. Uh, it, it's it's sometimes mind boggling because when I do look at the numbers, I was like, man, this guy's just looking great at the plate or this guy's pitching so well. Justin Steele is in the freaking Cy Young conversation. If we would have said that two months ago, come on. Like that's a great situation to be in. It's just, it's really, it's too bad because when you have these great individual performances, what you want is a winning season. So you can appreciate those individual performances and really say like, Man, look at all the all-stars they're going to have. They have three guys over 130 way to run screen plus. I remember talking to uh, someone last year. If you can have most of your guys at a 100 and then like three or four of them at 130 or plus, you're going to have a good offense. And somehow it's not adding up to this consistently great offense. And it's it's just it's like so many little things that it's like, well, if you have this, it'll work out. And it's just not working out. And you can start to be like, well, that's why the numbers are, you know, BS or whatever you want to say. But I think I think you you're right when you say there's all these little things that are adding up. And you uh, and Patrick, you're right. They're trying to avoid pointing fingers. And I don't think this is a clubhouse that will do that. But that's when you have to worry about things. When if you start hearing anybody say, like, I had a great game, you know when they start talking about I did my job 
anything like that you have to avoid. And we haven't heard that, thankfully, because that's it, it starts to get ugly at that point. Um, honestly, I'm not sure if we've covered a team like that. I, I don't really fully remember that. I guess I guess there have been moments. Uh, maybe you'll remind me. Uh, but but. <sighs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Wilson, there, Wilson calling out the players over Zoom. That was a good one. Right, right. Like those, ma- like some, like it's very close to that point of someone lighting that match. And I think that is where that is what David Ross has to do to kind of wall those things off. Because you know, at the Athletic, we do this thing like the All Thirty, where we weigh in on all thirty teams. And something that's due today is like grading your team at the you know, quarter mark of the season. And, you know, spoiler, it's going to be pretty close to an F for the Cubs. And I feel like, you know, and it's not an F because there is a lot of time to turn things around and there are some underlying things. But at a certain point, like the Cubs get a lot of space for context here. You know what I mean? Like this isn't New York where Brian Cashman churns out 90 win teams every single year. And there's a segment of the fan base that just wants him gone. Like Aaron Boone, wins 90 games every year and Yankees fans can't wait to get rid of him I mean the Cubs have their own network and their own website and uh you know a fairly deferential or kind of understanding uh media market that covers their team and like the way modern baseball is kind of thought about now is very process oriented and this is a business that went through a another rebuild within a decade you know something that was unprecedented before theo got here the cubs are doing it twice within a decade so if fans are angry they have every right to be if fans are patient and understanding of some of these uh other factors going on fine they're fans they can do uh whatever they want within reason feel whatever they want within reason but like the process is getting close to the point where it doesn't really matter. Like they need to start putting up results. And that goes from the top of the organization all the way to the bottom. That's such a good point. And that's a good, I think that's a good place to round it out because I think the, the shift in the way we, the way many of us think about baseball over the last 20 years into that more process oriented approach can sometimes blur the distinction between us as fans appreciating good process and then thinking about results because you know you're right we're allowed as fans to be like yeah 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 yeah, process process I, you're doing it right i care about it but you're losing and it sucks and it is not fun to watch the losing so it is your job to figure it out it is your job to turn that process into results in spite of sometimes the ball hits a pebble on the infield and kicks that way that has always been a part of baseball, and that is why that is a big part of why it's 162 games because you need that time to sort out true talent and good process from bad luck and bad results. And maybe that means we'll be here talking in two months about how, like, oh man, they really stuck to it and got where they were supposed to get, and they're now they're a 500 team. Because that's the other thing we got to remember: like, if they're 500 at the end of like July or whatever, you know, that's roughly where we thought maybe they might be if things did go reasonably well you know it's not like we were talking them up in the spring as this 90 plus win team and uh you know april went how it went and it it we tried 
hard to push back on the idea that it shifted totally where you expected this team to be in the end. But ultimately, right now, they're far worse, far worse in terms of results, wins and losses, than they should be. This is this this is not where they should be. And I mean that should in terms of after a second rebuild in a decade, this is not where they should be. I mean it in terms of the underlying performance. This is not where they should be. And it's that's what makes it frustrating. So we we let's see. Cubs are off today here on Monday. Uh, then they get the Mets at home. The Mets who had themselves been terribly disappointing for their eight billion dollar payroll uh but of course they've had a fuse lit and they've started to turn things around and so at least we won't be able to say that the cubs were the trigger for turning them around because they already have started so there we go there we go you know the cubs cubs definitely they remember the dodgers they kicked them off the cardinals they kicked them off the twins were actually the twins were maybe starting to turn it around the three games for the cubs the astros had been disappointing swept the cubs uh the phillies have been as bad as the Cubs, but now they've taken two of three. You watch, they're about to go off. <laughs> and so uh just just preamble. If the if the Mets take two of three or sweep the Cubs, they were already getting kind of hot. Uh and then the the Cubs get the Reds for the weekend and and geez, they <laughs> that that we'll we'll talk about that on Thursday, but boy, they they need that. And um They have some maybe, sneaky good pitching. Yeah. Well the Reds have some <laughs> decent players. I mean, it's like they should. They're speaking of teams that are constantly rebuilding. They should probably have some decent players by now. Uh, and the Cubs will get Kyle Hendricks back for that series. Uh, at least that's the current expectation. So that'll be fun to see. And we'll be talking to you again on Thursday. This is on to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at the athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. You can read my stuff at bleacher nation. That is Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. You can read theirs at the athletic and we appreciate you as always. Hope you have a good start to your week. Talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.